0: Things have gotten far more optimistic, both at the company level and then on on a macro basis.
1: That's Neil Dar, a PwC vice chair and chief clients officer. This is Heather Horn, and Neil's joining me for the last episode in our summer podcast series. Throughout the summer, each Thursday, we explored the question on all of our minds. How do we emerge from the current crisis stronger than before? Companies have moved beyond crisis management, and today Neil is going to share their evolving areas of concern and concentration. This is all based on PwC's most recently released CFO Pulse Survey. So Neil, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our conversation about our most recent results of the CFO Survey. And in particular, you know, we started this series Earlier this summer with having Amity come on and talk about results from back in June. And then now we're getting close to wrapping up the series. And it's great to have you on to tell us the latest findings. So thank you again. And maybe to kick things off, can you just tell us a little bit about what we did differently this time and what we focused on in the survey?
0: Sure, sure. And Heather, thanks for, thanks for having me on. So So let me just tee up the survey as a whole. So Last time, when COVID first hit, we went out and did a pulse survey with about 500 CFOs. And that was done in in a series. Um, and then we took a little bit of a hiatus. And now, with the election coming up and sort of what's happening from a policy standpoint, um, obviously, that has knock-on impact on business. So this time around, we're doing another series. We call it the Election 2020 um, series. And instead of focusing just on CFOs, we've opened it up to a broader audience. So we had 600 executives and the executives ranged from a cross-functional basis from CFOs, CHROs, COOs, technology leaders, and risk leaders. So it, it was much wider. Lots of interesting findings in relation to sort of the things that, that we picked up on in, in this survey. And again, this is the first of, of three that we'll be doing.
1: All right. So what was your chief impression of the findings? What are kind of couple of top themes that stuck out for you?
0: Big picture, what I took away is things have gotten far more optimistic, both at the company level and then on, on a macro basis, again, on a relative basis. Uh, and we'll hit some of that. And then there are certain topics, uh, Heather, that regardless of who comes out on top uh, in the election in November, where folks have specific sentiments for instance tax one of the things that came out in our survey results were that the sentiment was whoever wins the election there was a sentiment that taxes would rise so things like that were were interesting but those are probably the two big things were optimism on a relative basis uh and some interesting findings in relation to some functional areas
1: well, I like the fact that we saw more optimism. That's interesting because we've had a theme of asking our speakers about optimism. And every time I wait for the person to say, I'm not optimistic, but instead every time they have a lot of reasons, they are optimistic. But it's great to hear that the survey participants are too. So what are some key kind of findings there that we saw in terms of the survey results?
0: So one specific thing uh that hit home uh was that On a relative basis, there was a big improvement in relation to how companies viewed their own revenue projections for 2021 versus current year compared to the summertime. So far more companies were optimistic, more optimistic about their own revenue projections. Another interesting thing, Heather, uh, that that we picked up on was um, there seemed to be wide sentiment around needing stimulus Uh, as a broader uh, economy, but far less um, push for needing um, stimulus for business specific. So for your business on a relative basis. So again, that was a bit of uh, a surprise for many of us as we were going through the survey results. So, uh, and again, that, that was across all of the um, functional areas that, that I talked about.
1: And then do we, can you attribute anything, maybe starting with the revenue that why we're seeing more optimism or do we not get that from the survey results?
0: I mean, just talking to clients, well, obviously we spend a lot of time in the marketplace talking to CEOs. And one of the things that's come out clearly is C- CEOs have sort of migrated into things that they can control and things that they cannot control. So things that they can control include employee safety, positions on diversity and inclusion, sort of focusing in on robust planning, you know, things like digital transformation, getting tactical in relation to if the world has changed around us, how do we make things more efficient, focusing on workforce just in general, sort of what is the future of work and, you know, figuring out, what their balance sheet position looks like from an M&A standpoint. Do they want to sort of do something, uh, aggressive around growth? So those are the things you can control to some extent. Uh, and then there's the things you can't control, geopolitics, the election, regulation, tax. A- and what we're finding is, is CEOs focusing on things that they could focus on. And then on the stuff that they don't have control on that they're, they're doing things like scenario planning and things like that. So I think that's just, Omnipresent in relation to the business environment as a whole, and you see some of those trends then trickle into the, the survey itself.
1: So then, when you're talking to clients and they're saying they're scenario planning, you know, how do you scenario plan in an environment where there are so many unknowns in terms of what's coming next? What are you seeing from clients from that perspective?
0: Well, one practical thing is revenue. And obviously, for certain industries, leisure, hotels, uh, travel, energy sector, uh, it was very, very difficult to, pre- to forecast and do any sort of revenue projections early summer. So now I think companies have gotten far more comfortable with the new norm. And as if they've gotten comfortable with the new norm, they've been able to do more robust scenario planning, worst case, base case, uh, you know, a very aggressive case in relation to revenue projections. Uh, but what we've also seen is companies go a little bit more on offense in relation to how they're looking to build, rebuild revenue. So far more discussions around how management teams are focusing their efforts in relation to how do they build, rebuild revenue streams, how do they sort of uh, go on offense on things like digital marketing, customer segmentation to figure out how they're going to, you know, rebuild revenue. So that's one specific area. Another specific area around scenario planning is that, um, from a tax standpoint, if taxes are going to r- rise, regardless who, who comes out in, in the election, what does that mean for not only taxes, but capital investing. So if, if taxes go up X, cash taxes go up X, then what impact does that have in investment capacity and the ability to make investments? So we're seeing more and more planning around that. My guess is as the election gets closer, that, uh, we'll see even more of those sorts of discussions, but, but, but we're having many, many discussions around helping clients around scenario planning at the moment.
1: So then, Neil, that's actually a great lead-in to the other sort of trend that you saw, and that this one actually did quite surprise me when you said that we saw some results from the survey that no matter who gets elected, people don't see a wide range in terms of what might happen. Like, we didn't see widely divergent results. So can you give some more examples of that?
0: So trade's another area where the initial feedback from the survey was – that regardless of, uh, of the results of the election, that, uh, there was sentiment that there would be rising tension between the U.S. and China and implications for trade. So, so again, it was a bit indifferent on the election results and more just things that are happening that could have knock on impact on, on people's businesses.
1: So then, Neil, it's specifically then, I know you asked some questions around investment and how people are thinking about sort of future investment in their company, again, asking the question if there's a second term or a new administration, anything that you would highlight from those specific questions?
0: Yeah. So, so, so there was a couple of specific things in relation to sentiment around a second term of the current administration versus potentially a new administration, uh, things like supply chain, capital investments, domestic expansion, M&A appetite, workforce planning, international expansion. And, and Heather, on most of them, it was pretty similar in relation to what the sentiment was of a second term of the incumbent versus a new administration coming in. You know, there was a little bit of a deviation on the tax scenario planning in relation to less enthusiasm around doing tax scenario planning for a second term, i.e. more certainty, versus uh, a new administration. There was more sentiment around doing tax scenario planning if there was a change in the administration. But the other topics I, I raised, it was relatively tight in relation to Um, either a second administration or a new administration.
1: So Neil, it's interesting. I'm looking at these same results that you were just commenting on. And of course, auditing with my auditor hat, if I I believed what you told me. And you really do see a very tight range in terms of the responses, in terms of people um, planning to make additional investment. And a couple that really stand out to me here is with digital transformation, we see that you know, forty nine percent would expect to make more investment if there's a second term of the current administration versus forty four percent with the new administration. So again, very small difference there. Any sense from you know your own conversations and what you're seeing in terms of why there's such a focus on digital transformation,
0: Heather? I think it goes back to the to the point around um, CEO sentiment at, at the moment. I think that since The early days of of summer where folks were just grappling with, how do I deal with with, with workforce, keep people safe? How do I sort of move into the next gen of business? I think what we've now seen are uh, management teams far more comfortable with the world that we live in and the surroundings that they find themselves and their customer base and what their customer base is dealing with. I think most companies are under pressure to deliver more value at a lower cost in in a tech-enabled way. Um, I, I, we certainly feel it, and I think many businesses, most businesses, sort of have a, a very um, similar feeling. So then it comes back to digital transformation and ensuring that the back office and the front office aligns with how you're going to sort of deal with the next one, three, five, ten years. So we're seeing lots of discussion and engagement around digital transformation. So, so if anything. What we found in in this survey and in the previous survey is that digital transformation has been dramatically accelerated through the world we live in now. How do I get on with life in a way that is, again, tech-enabled to deliver more value in, in, in a more efficient manner? And that's
1: definitely a theme we've seen even throughout the summer, talking to our various speakers about sort of what they see coming next. A couple other ones, Neil, here that stood out to me is you know, just risk management, almost exactly the same response around 45% would expect that to be another big area of investment. And again, I'm sure that's something you're seeing. So any specific thoughts on that area?
0: I think with risk management, a couple of topics here, I think moving to a work from home environment, higher risk for cyber and cyber risk, I think companies have to be very comfortable that the processes that they have in place works in today's day and age. So across all sectors, we're finding that uh, I spend a lot of time in the financial services world. And in the financial services world, that's been a clear area of focus that do we have our processes in place to operate in the world that we live in now. So that one, I'm not surprised uh, that the results are so tight, regardless of, uh, of election outcome.
1: And then another one that stood out to me, and I definitely would like to ask you this with your financial services hat on and sort of understated, Neil was our former head of our financial services practice, but um, this would be M&A and divestitures as well as international expansion. And again, both, both of those two things, as well as under either scenario, it's around 35%, a little higher in some cases. Why do we think these numbers are where they are?
0: Well, they're a little bit lower than on, on a relative basis uh, compared to some of the other categories we talked about. And the reason for that is M&A activity does not like uncertainty. You, you like to operate in a, in a more certain environment. And that's sort of what we're finding now. So again, I look at things, I look at the last eight months on a very relative basis. <laughs> so, so when uh, the crisis first hit us, there was a lot of m and activity around crisis, so distressed assets, putting money to work to, to, to look at um, distressed assets. And then what we saw was, it, for the most part, the m M&A and markets go on hiatus. Um, lots of looking, but no mm. real execution. And now what we're finding, uh, and I still spend a lot of time in the M&A world, is lots of green shoots in relation to transactions and, and transaction appetite. I do think that once things settle down a little bit, once we know what the results of the election are, once we know sort of where taxes may go, where regulation may go and the like, we will see a, a pickup in M&A activities. I think a significant uh, pickup sort of fourth quarter of this year, first quarter of next year, um, because, again, interest rates are low. Interest rates will feed transaction activity, um, especially since there's so much dry powder uh, right now with our private equity base, our sovereign base, and, and the like. One big exception, though, we did see quite a bit of activity related to technology and healthcare deals. Not surprising. Again, it goes mm-hmm. back to the digital transformation theme. Um, and obviously, for, for, for obvious reasons, the healthcare sector has been feverishly active on a lot of fronts. So, so yeah, some interesting times. And again, I think we'll see the M&A activities ramp up dramatically. But but for the most part, I think, rest assured, large chunks of the M&A sector have been relatively quiet the last six months.
1: It's interesting. I had John Potter on a couple of weeks ago talking about deals. And he mentioned that if you kind of look back at prior recessions, people who did deals you know, soon after the recession kind of didn't wait, then those are the ones that you're seeing bigger returns on. So it almost seems like to your point, maybe once some of this uncertainty is settled, combined with the low interest rates, maybe we will see a a jump, or at least he's saying maybe should jump, (laughs) um, at least based on what's happened in the past.
0: Uh, The the thing about getting a deal done right now, it's very hard to predict cash flows. It is so hard to predict, going back to the revenue discussion we had earlier, it's so hard to determine what your base case cash flows are going to look like. Uh, And obviously cash flows will drive if, you know, transaction modeling and the like.
1: Right. Then one other question, again, I might ask you to take out your crystal ball. So I'll be curious what you say here is you, you mentioned the low interest rates. And so any sense for what you think could happen if we're going to see those continue low or, you know, for you're expecting to bump up anytime soon? I
0: think we'll see low interest rates for the foreseeable future. I, I think there's very little doubt that interest rates will not remain low uh, for a whole host of reasons. And uh, that'll put stress on certain industries, like the banking sector, for instance. Uh, And then that will feed other sectors, such as, you know, sectors that are very dependent on M&A activity.
1: Neil, one other thing on the survey. I know we asked some questions around reporting and specifically around transparency. You know, given all of the recent focus on environmental, social, and governance, diversity and inclusion, and some of those things. Any perspective on what we saw in the survey, or more
0: broadly? Heather, I think this is just a theme that we're finding. Um, just in the in the day and age that we live in right now. So on the COVID front specifically, I think because of all the uncertainty, companies are going the extra mile around sort of thinking through transparency of disclosures, what if scenarios, be it forecasting, um, be, be it what have you. So, so there, there's that element, what I call blocking and tackling living in uncertain times. And then on the wider world around ESG and diversity inclusion, what we're finding is far more pressure, um, for lack of a better word, uh, around companies to sort of put a position out in relation to sort of what they're doing around ESG or or, or what their specific statistics look like for DNI. And what we're finding is some of that pressure comes from peer analysis, just the market in general, places like Europe are further ahead than us. So I think that's driving activity. So so I think you'll continue to see that, at least the discussions I'm having with with management teams. Again, I spend a lot of time in, in the private equity world, and I know even that sector is spending a lot of time because they're getting a lot of questions from their investors, from their LPs in relation to things like ESG, uh, diversity, and inclusion. Um, so, so, again, I, I view it, the transparency point, twofold. Blocking and tackling sort of results in uncertain times. And then the world we live in and, and the things uh, that are that are clearly top of mind to society as a whole.
1: It's interesting. On our last webcast, I had um, one of our directors talking about some of the outreach we do with analysts and then analysis of financial statements. And we saw a huge jump in those disclosures from, say, you know, a year ago to now in terms of companies making those disclosures. And I mean, I guess that fits in too with PwC and the fact that we've put out our own report, you know, in the interest of transparency. So uh, very good. All right. Well, then, Neil, maybe before we wrap things up today, Question I always like to ask is when you're meeting with clients and out, you know, and about what other things are top of mind as you're speaking to executives? Maybe one or two key questions that we haven't covered here.
0: Uh, lots of discussion uh, across the country in relation to reopenings. Um, a lot of folks asking me what we're doing as a firm, uh, sort of sharing, like you know, what they're thinking about. Um, certain parts of the country are in different stages uh, in relation to reopening. So, so that's front front and center, along with employee safety. Two is uh, looking forward to 2021. We've been saying this right from the beginning, but but I think it's really taking hold now. Is like 2020 in certain respects is is a bit of a lost year. So lots of thinking now in relation to sort of. You know, three and five year projections sort of building in what things are going to look like from a 2021 standpoint. Uh, And then the macro point that that we talked about earlier is on some of the things that you can control, what's your plan? And then for the things that you cannot control. So one of the discussions I had uh, this morning is uh, with a financial services uh, entity is regulation and sort of what changes may be down the pike for regulation Uh, If if there is a change in administration and if there is a change in Congress, then what is the knock on impact on regulation? Clearly taxes. Um, So, so again, again, as we live through uncertain times, those are the things that are top of mind. Definitely a lot to
1: think about. And I know, Neil, so we're recording on September 28th and you're in the midst of another survey right now. So like an update. So what's the timeline of that one? Just so our listeners can look out for that.
0: So we have we have our second of, of this uh, series running right now so which will close later this week and then we'll have results next week so it'll be interesting to see what the trend line is between the first and the second survey in relation to different things and we'll we'll explore some new areas as well so we'll keep that a, a bit of a surprise um, uh, uh, until the next survey but I think we'll have some interesting trends coming out as well. Then
1: the last survey will come out in November after the election. That's right. Wait to see the, the trends on this. So then, you Neil, know, I want to go full circle to where we started, which is you said that one of the things that struck you in the survey results is this overall sense of optimism. Yeah. I do always like to close out these podcasts by asking my guests, it's that for you personally, what makes you optimistic as you look into the future?
0: So Heather, I think we've been through a lot as a country, as a society, as, as a business community. Uh, and I always sort of like to think of things, you know, glass half full. Um, I do think that we will start seeing an uptick in relation to investments, uh, m and activity. You know, we're already seeing some positive green shoots in relation to, again, company-specific revenue rebuilding and the like. Uh, I think the survey makes it clear that regardless who comes out in the in, in the election, we'll see continued investment in areas like digital transformation, risk management, along with, you know, workforce planning, tax planning and the like. So, again, those are just movements around just broader business as we sort of get back to, um, you know, hopefully normalcy soon.
1: Yes, it's definitely been a test of all of our resiliency, and it'll be interesting to see what normal looks like once we're kind of on the other side of this. That's but, right, that's right. but anyway, Neil, definitely appreciate your insight and look forward to hearing what's going to come out of these next couple of surveys. So thank you very much. Thanks, Heather. Thank you to Neil, and thank you for tuning in. Join me back here every Tuesday and Thursday for new podcast episodes. In next Tuesday's podcast, we're going to talk about the OECD with a specific focus on their projects related to taxes. And good news for fans of the What's Next podcast series, season two is rolling out next Thursday, October 8th. 2020's dramatically accelerated companies' tech enablement And I'm excited to learn how the finance function fits into the digital transformation. So that you never miss an episode of any of our audio content, subscribe to the PwC Accounting Podcast series, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to stay up to date on all of the latest content, let's connect on LinkedIn. For PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in.